Hello, hello, it's Tuesday, 5th of April, and welcome to another episode of We Read the News So You Don't Have To. This is a news recap podcast from Zodapop by Zerep Media. Starting off today's news is one that I'm super, super excited about. You know, yesterday um, I was on my phone and then suddenly it started ringing nonstop and I was super, super scared. I was like, what's going on? Why is everybody texting me now? Um, and then I realized that it was good news that everyone has been looking forward to for over two years now. So yes, this is a piece of news from The Straits Times. And it says that after a two-year halt due to the pandemic, all nightlife businesses in Singapore will be allowed to fully reopen from April 19 with COVID-19 safety measures in place, said the authorities on Monday. So finally, everybody, we are able to go back to partying. I think it feels so weird to even say that. It feels so strange to even think about it, but it's finally back. Here's what's going down, okay? So nightlife establishments, namely bars, pubs, karaoke establishments, discos, and nightclubs will be subject to safe management measures, including vaccination differentiated SMM, said the Ministry of Trade and Industry, as well as the Ministry of Home Affairs in a joint statement. For nightlife establishments such as nightclubs and discos where there is dancing, a negative ART supervised by a Ministry of Health approved test provider, either in person or remotely, will be required for patrons before entry. So I think this is the biggest thing that all of us are interested in finding out. How do you even, you know, go about going in, right? So essentially, it's not one of those like average ART tests that you can do on your own. You have to have it done by someone that is supervising, you know, that's someone that is approved by MOH to supervise you taking the test. And my friends and I have really started digging, so you can actually do it at certain sites that you can find from the MOH website. Otherwise, you can also look online. I think Dr. Anywhere is MOH approved as well. So you just need to make sure that um, the ART test that you're getting is the supervised one. So a negative PCR test is also allowed and the COVID-19 test will need to be valid from 24 hours from the time of the test result. So basically that. Patrons must also get tested at most 24 hours before the end of the attendance at the event or activity. If you're a staff or a visitor, such as employees or contractors, you are not needed to test. So take note of that as well. The latest move for the nightlife sector comes as several SMM rules were eased last week after the daily number of COVID-19 cases reported started to decline from late February. And since March 29, the 10.30pm cutoff for alcohol sales and consumption at food and beverage establishments have also been lifted and live performances have also resumed at all venues along with the screening of live broadcast programs and also recorded entertainment at F&B outlets. So I don't know, it feels like a domino effect whereby suddenly everything is coming back to life and everything is just ready to go. Um, it really feels like, you know, um, finally, like once the, the, the gates open, like the flood is really coming through and everything is like really coming back to normal. So it's very, very exciting for all of us. I heard from the grapevine that certain famous popular nightclubs are already fully booked the weekend that is opening. So if you are planning to make plans, you need to really start making your bookings and gathering your friends and everything. It's because it's going to be ending. It's going to be packed and full. I promise you this. So yes, 
take note of that but otherwise you will be seeing me around out and about town i'm ready to go out hopefully i don't get covid that week touch wood i still haven't gotten covid yet can you guys believe it uh, but yeah hopefully i will be able to come out and party with all of you the weekend after april 19 so that's that a second piece of news is from parliament so this is regarding the debate on the white paper on singapore's women's development which was also presented to parliament on march 28 so on tuesday today actually minister for community Communications and Information Josephine Teo told Parliament that to help women advance, Singapore must not shy away from dealing with various daily challenges that they face. So this is a piece again from The Straits Times. Now it continues to say that women face daily battles, said Minister Josephine Teo, such as the battle with time to fulfill multiple roles and responsibilities, and they battle for recognition of the challenges that women and girls face much more than men and boys. So they also, quote, battle with sexual predators who, having been tamed in analog Singapore, now rear their ugly heads in our digital world, and, quote, battle with social expectations on what work we do, what chores we share, what words we say, and even what clothes we wear, end quote. Lastly, women also, quote, battle within ourselves as to how much of us to give and how much to save for self-care, end quote, said Mrs. Teo. Now, so if you want to know what this white paper on the Singapore women's development is all about, it's basically a 10-year roadmap to nudge society further towards gender equality that will see greater support for flexible work arrangements, more help for caregivers, and also swifter intervention in cases of violence. Now, Minister Josephine Teo also said that the society must always see the progress of women as a journey without end, where every achievement is a foundation to aim for new highs. Quote, in every generation, we have a duty to find new ways to uplift women. If half of humanity does not progress, how can the rest of humanity, she said. The weight of efforts to do so should now lie in also further catalyzing collective actions and further promoting equal partnership between men and women, she said. Quote, in all likelihood, these two lines of efforts are the most challenging, yet they are also where we have the best hope to really move the needle for women. In her speech at the start of the debate, she acknowledged the significant progress that Singapore women have already made, such as in education and in the workforce, and women are also now better protected against harms and sexual offences through the Protection from Harassment Act, that's POHA, and Penal Code, and they're also better recognised for their contributions in the economy with a narrowing adjusted gender pay gap. Now, caregivers of the elderly and children, and the majority of whom are women, are now better supported with available facilities and subsidies too. Now, this white paper is actually meant to be a call for everyone to take action rather than just a comprehensive plan of action by the government. So, speaking after Mrs. Teo, Minister for Social and Family Development, Masagos Zulkifli, appealed to men to step up and also do more to make a difference. He said, as fathers, it's our responsibility to teach our sons what it means to respect all women starting young age and instill in them the right values and be role model ourselves through our actions and for them to grow uh, to be gentlemen. Men can also play a bigger role in sharing the weight of caregiving. Mr. Masago said that pushing for equal partnership between men and women is not a zero-sum game. Quote, from time to time, such beliefs or misperceptions come up. These perceptions come up whenever we talk about advancing women's progress. This is not our way. Our approach is not about asserting the rights of one over the other. Respecting our fellow women is a natural evolution from our values because we have been nurtured to honour, love and respect the most important woman of our lives, our mother. So that's a beautiful quote 
And I personally feel like this white paper is actually a mark of progress and a milestone for women's development in Singapore. And it's very exciting to see all the developments and all the debate that's going to be coming up the next few weeks, I suppose. Um, and I'm excited to see, you know, the points that will be raised and the further progress that will be made. So there is that. Now on to my next piece of news. So this one is from Deadline and this is regarding the uh, Ukraine-Russia war. A fundraising effort by video game Fortnite and also Microsoft's Xbox has actually generated over $144 million USD, by the way, for organizations seeking to help Ukraine. So six weeks after an invasion by Russia, millions of refugees have fled Ukraine, while those remaining face dire needs in terms of basic supplies and shelter. In a tweet, the Epic Games brand confirmed the news. Quote, our deepest thanks to everyone who joined us in supporting humanitarian relief efforts for people affected by the war in Ukraine. End quote. The fund will go to direct relief, the United Nations Children's Fund, the United Nations World Food Program, and the United Nations Refugee Agency. Now, Epic had previously announced that it would redirect all proceeds from the game along with Microsoft to Ukrainian relief efforts for a period of two weeks. And the first day alone brought in $36 million fueled by the release of the new version of Fortnite, which is always a major event in the gaming world. Now, because Epic Games is a privately held company, numbers for Fortnite are relatively hard to come by. But in May 2020, the company said that there were 350 million registered users. And in the company's recent legal battle with Apple, documents indicated that Epic booked more than $9 billion in revenue from the game in 2018 and 2019. The fundraising effort followed a period when a range of tech companies as well as overall significant numbers of businesses withdrew from Russia as a response to the invasion. I think fantastic news there and great job to um, Epic as, as well as Microsoft for putting this together and also helping you know, Ukraine in this conflict. Now another piece of news in entertainment comes from Variety and this one's I think major news but not unexpected. So. Kanye West has actually pulled out of his scheduled appearance at the Coachella Festival, a source confirms to Variety. Now, reps for Kanye West and the festival did not immediately respond to requests for comment, although West had actually been scheduled to play the closing night of the two-weekend festival, which runs from April 15 to 17, as well as April 22 to 24. Now, this piece of news was first reported by TMZ, of course. <laughs> now, the reason for his cancellation was not immediately clear, although a source tells Variety that he actually had not rehearsed or prepared for the appearance. Now, Wes played a full set accompanied by Drake at the LA Coliseum in December, although while he did that, Coachella is actually North America's largest music festival and by necessity runs a very tight operation. So, seems like he's actually not entirely ready for Coachella and it is April already so you know there's that. Wes also pulled out of a planned headlining appearance at the 2020 festival previously which ultimately was postponed until this year due to the pandemic and he actually pulled out mere days before it was announced actually sources confirmed to Variety at the time. You know there are many reasons why the news does not come as a shock, but West's unpredictable and combative behavior, especially on social media in recent months, put a question mark over his appearance as 
even as it was announced in January, you know. He had recently been barred from a planned appearance on Sunday night's Grammy Awards due to what was ascribed as concerning online behaviour. So, as I said earlier on, it's not entirely a surprise. Now, for those who got their tickets to Coachella, I'm entirely still very jealous because <laughs> I really, really wanted to go this year. There's still a lot to look forward to because this year's Coachella's first two nights will be headlined by Harry Styles and Billie Eilish. And, you know, those two are massive, massive names. So, there's that. Rumours has been circulating previously that Travis Scott will be joining Kanye West for the performance, but TMZ said that you know, he will not be appearing either, referring to Travis Scott. Now, Travis Scott has been keeping a low profile since 10 people died in a rush towards the stage during his headlining performance at the Astro World Festival in Houston in October. Now, such an appearance would be on message for Kanye West, who in recent months also has been publicly embracing ostracized celebrities such as Marilyn Manson, who was accused of sexual assault, and the baby, who has made unapologetically homophobic comments in recent months. So actually, in my opinion, I feel like it might be a, a good thing after all that Kanye West is not appearing at Coachella. At least we know that Coachella is going to be good vibes or at least a better vibes. Now, last piece of news for today comes from Variety once again, and this one is on Morbius. So Morbius, the latest comic book adventure from Sony's universe of Marvel characters, opened in first place, number one at the domestic box office in the US, although ticket sales were considerably softer than recent superhero blockbusters. Now, with comically terrible reviews, ouch, okay, um, Morbius sunk its teeth into a 39.1 million dollars run in its first weekend of release and this initial tally is at once a sign um, that audiences truly love comic book movies and it's an indication although that not every superhuman character will be greeted equally on the big screen. FYI, Sony's 2018 anti-hero origin story Venom was also similarly panned by critics and, and audiences but still managed to score at the domestic box office with $80 million to start as well as $213 million in total. I watched Morbius over the weekend. I thought I wanted you know, a break from work. It was, I believe, one of the worst Marvel movies or Marvel-branded movies that I've recently watched. I almost wanted to walk out but then I thought about the ticket prices. Weekend ticket prices are not cheap, people. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to take a nap. Halfway mark of the movie, I was like, I'm just going to take a, take a nap. And then I woke up and you know what, I felt like I didn't miss a single thing because I felt that the story was entirely predictable. It feels like a movie that we've watched before. And if it comes out on Netflix or any other streaming platform, I think that it's better off that you wait for it to come out because it's really not worth your time. Even the, you know, okay, so with Eternals, which uh, was another Marvel movie, that I didn't quite enjoy and, and Eternals is specifically in the MCU while Morbius is in the Sony universe. Eternals, at least, you know, in the post credit scene, I felt like that made it entirely worth the money spent for me to go to watch Eternals. Morbius's post credit scenes tried to do something similar, tried to set up, you know, a future for the Sony Marvel Universe. Yet, when I watched it, I felt that it was so sloppily executed that I just felt even more frustrated. So I walked out of the cinema with my friends all feeling very disappointed with the movie, even though we already knew that 
the Rotten Tomato score was so bad. But well, if you want to watch it, go ahead. If not, I would say I would recommend to wait for it to come out on streaming. That's my advice to all of you. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's we read the news, so you don't have to now. If if you're listening on Clubhouse, make sure you're also following the Youth in Singapore page. Now, if you're listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, make sure you give us a five star review in app, and also click the follow button on Spotify and subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Now, I'll see you guys really, really soon. Once again, this is we read the news, so you don't have to. 